This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. Yeah, the NBA Finals back in the city by the bay, which is currently shrouded in fog, and the Giants working on a sweep of the Dodgers against that backdrop. We are back with you. Kevin Michael, Whitey Gleason, and Evan Giddings with you till one today. Dub G and the E-Dog. Do you think, can we... Does that work, or is that a stretch? Whatever or? you want to go with it, Whitey. You know, people have... I actually got demoted to F-Dog, I think it was on Friday, because of one of my... my you got off tapes. easy. You yeah. got off easy on that. Yeah, yeah. So right now, we're floating between the E and the F. If you want to join me in terms of letters, you're more than welcome. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you're always the E-Dog. But I understood why some wanted to demote you uh, real quick before we get on to the, the NBA finals. This has been such a great series. I'm already... I'm already, you know, when you're in Hawaii and it's like your vacation's halfway over and you start to think, oh, it's going to be sad to have to go home, right? I don't. Really? <laughs> well, I haven't spent that much time in Hawaii. Oh, so. okay. Well. But I can imagine. Yeah. And that's. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you in the postcard. I'm starting to feel that way about these NBA finals. And I know, you know, if you're a true warrior fan, say, no, you want to just get this over with and win and get it done with and move on and celebrate. But I'm just loving these finals. Anyway, Friday, I had the uh, privilege of being in for dibs. And it was Donut Day. Mark Willard brought in donuts. Rumor has it you, Evan Giddings, were accused. How do you plead? You were accused of asking for plain cake donuts. Like, hey, do we have any plain cake donuts here? Is it true? Guilty. Guilty as charged. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Number one, they go great. I may be one of the few people at this station that drinks only black coffee. No huh. creamer, no sugar. I see a trend here. Bit of a psychopath. Yeah. And so... Give no me, butter flavoring on my popcorn. I don't want sugar. I don't want any <laughs> added preservatives. Just give me the cake, and then I can dunk it in the coffee, and it's a perfect combination. Huh. Maybe I should have been born in 1924. All right. What about, like, butter on your toast? Uh, margarine, Whitey. <laughs> okay. Margarine. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, Evan, uh, where do you think this series is going from, from here, and what do you think of the series so far? It's, it's been you know all over the place. I think one of the few constants in this series, which has been, oh, dis- disaster for the words. Oh, great win for the words. Oh, no, the words are in big trouble. Look at that. They've got the advantage again. Steph has been one of the few constants. He has, and that to me is why, as a Warriors fan, I wanted Boston, and I think that Warriors fans should have wanted to play Boston because – this is a team that in a lot of areas you could consider equal, if not some in some areas better than Golden State, and you want to beat the best, right? This has brought, at least through the first four games, the best out of many players, and especially Stephen Curry. And for those people that were talking about, oh, well, you know, can Steph get it done in the finals by himself without the, the added help, the added arsenal that he's had in previous years, like, 
Here's your answer. Game four was that answer. Could he do it by himself? Yes. And I think that's why the talk surrounding, you know, is it his best game ever? Is it his most important game ever? Like that conversation can now be had because of the opponent. He did it against the number one defense in the league. He did it against the hottest team in the league. And he did it against the best team standing. That's what made game four so special and has made the series special. Isn't that amazing? You've got the best defense in the league and you know that everything they do defensively is geared towards stopping 30 and they can't, right? They can't do it. They can't. It felt like... I mean, I, I'm not old enough to have seen some of the previous greats in this game, but but those are the people that he's now being put in the conversation with, and so you know, it's kind of like we get to see some of what like what made those players from the '90s, the '80s, the '70s special. That that feeling of inevitability, like when they have the ball. You can't stop him. And when Stephen Curry began to get it going in Game 4, when he hit that step back three, I think it was his second one, like two minutes left in the first quarter, and went right to the Boston bench and started pounding his mm-hmm. chest and calling the fans out, Like that's when it was, all right, we might be in store for something kind of special tonight. And those are the type of moments that are going to re- be replayed at his Hall of Fame ceremony, that are going to be replayed on NBA TV forever. Like I thought we were watching history. Yeah, I think we were. Uh, JD made the point. I was on with him Friday. He called it Jordan esque. And, you know, that it was. And that's obviously a huge, huge compliment because Steph has been doing the type of things in this series, not just in game four, but especially in game four. He's been doing the types of things that some of the naysayers, and we spend too much time talking about them, and I brought it up. That's on me. But some of the naysayers have said, oh, he can't do that. I mean, he's a great shooter, and, you know, he's a big part of a really good team. But the guys like Jordan and LeBron and Kobe, they could do it by themselves, and he can't do that. Well, hello, you're wrong because he's doing it. He just hasn't had to before. Yeah, and I think that Steph is, you know, he he doesn't always want to do that either. I mean, right. Not to say that he can if he wanted to every single game, but that's that's the type of game where he's like you got to have it. And I know that I know you and JD were talking about it after the game. You guys did a fantastic job, by the way. Sort of discussing. Uh, thanks for texting. I was like, wow, <laughs> Evans list. No, it's been a ton of fun. We're getting great calls because fans are so excited. Yeah, and there's there's no reason not to be at this point, right? Like this is exactly what you want at this time of the year, and that's exactly what you want to see from your best player. Down to one on the road in a hostile environment. And that's like all the contextual factors is I think why JD, in my opinion, is, is right about it being sort of Jordan-esque because those were the types of things that he really thrived on, right? Or that we we all believe him to be, you know, just in love with, like the the pressure, right? Yeah. And the pressure Hadn't gotten to Stephen Curry throughout his career. That's unfair to say. But there'd been moments where you questioned if the pressure had gotten to him. I think that he had done a fantastic job throughout his finals career of kind of putting that to rest. But there were still some examples you could look at and say, hey, you know, he had this poor shooting performance here. There was a time they needed him. He didn't get it done. Of course, he'd lost in his last finals appearance to Toronto. And so this is somewhat of a redemption tour for him. And like you said at the top, he's been the most consistent player in this series to the point where people are talking about him being named potentially finals MVP, even if they lose. Yeah, that, to me, that's almost a lock at this point, as silly as that is to say. The Xfinity Mobile text line, wide open for you, 888-957-9570. You want to contribute on the text line, you want to give us a call here. I'm just wondering where you think the series uh, goes from here. The thing about Steph also is that he is dictated 
the way the games have gone in a way that people said he couldn't. And again, I think he was even doing that before the last game. So looking forward to the rest of the series, this is curious to me too. I think we can all agree that for the most part, wow, these have been good games. Game two, the Warriors blew the doors off the Celtics in the second half. Um, but the the margins of victory, Boston won by 12, Warriors by 19, Boston won by 16, and then the Warriors won by 10. And I think if you show that to someone who hadn't seen the games, they'd be going, man, when are you going to get a good game? We've had really good games despite those margins. Every game has been good. I mean, you even look at the 19-point blood from Golden State in Game 2. They were It was a two-point game at the half. So there hasn't been a single game, I think, where people kind of akin to it. Like the Eastern Conference Finals between Miami and Boston, that was a blowout after blowout after blowout. Each game was 20, 30 points up until Game 6 and Game 7. That hasn't been the case here. And I think we also need to start sort of readjusting how we view the box score at the end and like the totals in general, because we've seen multiple comebacks within game. I mean, we saw it in game one. Boston came back from down 15 in the middle of the third quarter. Like 15 points is not that much in the modern NBA. And so, you know, a 10 point game or a 12 point game is probably closer to like a six or an eight point game 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, just the amount of threes, the volume of threes, and the quickness with which they're taken, especially early in the shot clock, to me, means that no lead is out of reach, even more so than during the prime Warriors years when they could be down 18, 20 points, and you blink, you look up, and they're up two. So, like, the amount of runs that teams go on nowadays, I think, is probably more, I guess, uh, you know, larger than ever. Like, it it just happens more often. And for me, that's why if I look at these four games, that's why you, you have to watch them. You have to be in tune to all of them because it can change so quickly. And even game four, which turned to a 10-point win for the Warriors, like that was a game that you needed all 43 from Steph, even though it was technically a double-digit win. I think that was the first game in this series in which we've had, is it crunch time? By definition, there's a stat crunch time, which is like a five-point game with five minutes to go. First time we've had that. But yeah, you're right. They've been uh, tremendous games. Are you familiar with the term boat racing? They got boat raced? I've, I've heard uh, the Inside the NBA crew use it a couple times. Okay, yeah. do you know where that comes from? I don't. Okay, I believe it comes from, it's actually a rowing term, because uh, and, and I forget the specifics of where this, which river it was in and who used it, some college um, rowing crews. The idea would be in this river, once, you know, it's a battle to get to the middle where the current is strongest. And once you get there before the other team, you're gone and they can't catch you. It's like, oh, you got boat raced. So that's kind of, to me, that's kind of the way these have gone. It's a matter of the teams that get going with a three-point shot. And then even though it's close up to that point, the team that gets in that three-point current, you can't catch them. The games are close until that point, and then the final scores are sometimes misleading. On the text line here, Xfinity Mobile text line, 888-957-9570. We have already, uh, Evan, a uh, <laughs> candidate for text of the day here, text of the day nominee from the 925. I love the narrative. Jordan did it by himself. Scottie Pippen was the second and third best player in the league for many of those years during the Bulls' run. It's a great point. I think the whole notion of this guy or that guy did it by himself in the NBA, it's not true. However, we know that Jordan at times 
you know, to your point that that Bulls team, when Jordan left, they won 55 games the next year without Michael Jordan. But to your point, um, Michael Jordan would dominate games. We know that. And that's what I think some people said. Steph can't do that over an extended period. And he did it for basically the whole game in the last game. And I think it also has to do with some of the stories that we hear surrounding the games, whether, you know, Michael's out until 4 a.m. gambling the night before a finals game. You know, he's he's sitting in the parking lot smoking a cigar in front of the opposing team's locker room telling you who's going to guard me like though now I yeah. know Stephen Curry yeah. doesn't have those kind of stories <laughs> but that that uh, creates the the lore around Michael Jordan in a way that I I think most players don't but then you know it within this series this was a game that number 1 everyone I think felt like the Warriors needed to have. They go down 3-1 against this Boston team. Not that they can't come back from behind 3-1. They've done it before, but it would be very, very difficult. And it's on the road in a place that, you know, maybe some people consider in Game 3, you got boat raced. You didn't put your best foot forward. And Steph and Clay in Game 3, scored two total points in the fourth quarter. So, it was the makings of, all right, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? And for him to do it in that way, that's why we'll remember this is more of an individual performance, even though you look at Andrew Wiggins with 16 rebounds to lead the team. Klay Thompson played fantastic defense in the fourth quarter. Draymond got let go. Steve Kerr made some, I thought, really fantastic coaching decisions, not only including uh, benching Draymond in the second half of that game, which we can get to, but then also being willing to reinsert him back into the game in the final three minutes, in which I thought he played pretty he well. He did. He made some nice play. He should have been benched, and then he responded to that. And and all of that is going to get lost under the umbrella of the Stephen Curry game. And so I'm, I completely agree with the texture on the Xfinity Mobile text line that Jordan didn't do him by himself, but those are sort of the reasons why we kind of forget about the Pippins or the Rodmans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we never, we really shouldn't. Um, of course, Wiggins was huge. We know that with all the rebounds. Clay, you know, Clay had a 25-point game in this series. I thought the last game was his best game because, even though he finished with 18, because he made some huge shots in the fourth quarter. And also, and a number of callers, you know, reminded us of this over the weekend, Clay's defense in the fourth quarter was huge on Jalen Brown. It was great to see Clay getting it done at both ends of the floor with the game hanging in the balance. It was the closest to pre-injury Clay, dare I say, that we've seen in these playoffs. And that's, to me, what made it feel so good. I know people have been talking about, oh, well, if Clay's shot falling, he's having a good game. And I think that's why Game 3 stood out, because the shots were falling. But it didn't, it didn't look like a, a great clay game It wasn't game as to impactful. Me. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he made some shots that kind of keep you in it, but game four was really the the two-way clay that we've come mm-hmm. to know and love, at least for, for stretches of that game. I don't know if he could do it for the full 48, but he did it when it mattered, and some, that's yeah. what counts to me. I'm with you. It's uh, it's a Dub G and E-Dog with you, 95-7 the game. <laughs> Somebody said to me something about, oh, game three, clay had a great game. And to me, um, no, uh, clay had a... He had a good game, and it was a lot of positive signs. Shot well. To me, yeah, Clay a great game. The bar's just so high. To me, Clay had a great game as like 60 on 11 dribbles or a 37-point quarter, right? That's Clay being great. Yeah, the, one of the things that I, I wrote down before game four was for Clay, it's not the the amount of makes, but it's the type of makes. Like, how is he getting his points? What kind of shots are, is he taking? Because, I mean, in, in game... I think it was yeah game three 
Like, there was times, even though he was making shots, right? I feel like he almost shot Boston back into the game with how quickly he was taking these looks. They're kind of off balance. I know people have made uh, a bit of a conversation about, you know, the, the one-legged fadeaways, him putting the ball in the deck. Like, when it sounds weird, but when Clay is dribbling, I don't feel comfortable. When he has the ball and he's catch and shoot, which was he was more of in game four, I feel great. Even if the ball's not going in, like, that to me is who Clay is. He's a catch and shoot player. He's great. He, you know, he can cut, uh, and then he plays good defense, and he rebounds. And he did all of that down the stretch of Game 4, especially when he, along with the, lo- the rest of the team, they kind of had a similar start to Game 3 in Game 4. They went down early. It looked like the Celtics might have a chance to yeah. boat race them. Yeah. And then Clay, along with Steph and Wiggins, just slowly started to bring them back. They got to the precipice, which is where they got to in Game Four or Game Three before Boston separated. And this time they made the leap. So, you know, it was it was great to see. And again, to go back to Game Three, two points in the fourth quarter from Curry as well as Clay in Game Four, 18 combined points. They were completely different players. And that's why Coach Kerr doesn't want to play Steph like 45 minutes. And I understand people saying he's Steph, he's great. You got to play him more minutes. And Steve Kerr is mindful of what happened in the fourth quarter. Uh, of Game 3, and Steph just didn't have it. So looking ahead here, yeah, the last game, uh, to me, when you're home like Boston was and you have a lead in the fourth quarter, and I think it was only five, but still, you have a lead in the fourth quarter. You're home in the finals, and if you win that game, you take a 3-1 lead, and they couldn't finish the job. Obviously, the Warriors had a lot to do with that. Typically, I would think, wow, that's got to be demoralizing. Also, the way, as we've already discussed, the way their defense is focused on stopping Steph, and he made so many shots, and frankly, he made a lot of shots uh, in Game 4 in which they defended fairly well, and he was still making shots. That's got to be demoralizing. However, the one thing Boston, I think, has proven is that they're capable of shaking those off. They had terrible games against, uh, you know, Milwaukee, they blew opportunities at home. Against Miami, they had a chance to win that in six, and they... They gagged, and they still came back. So I expect them to be able to shake that off. I'm not saying they will necessarily win, but I don't think they're going to turtle up after that Game 4 loss. No, I don't think they are either, and that's kind of been their MO as you laid out so beautifully. They are. Thank they you, have Evan. been a very every-other-game team. Like For as much as they haven't played well in back-to-back games, except for, I think, Game 6 and Game 7 of the Conference Finals against Milwaukee, they also haven't played poorly in back-to-back games. So I wouldn't consider Game 4 to be necessarily poor, but there were opportunities for them to try and put a stranglehold on the lead early in the game. They had an opportunity late in the game, missed some shots. I think a lot of that had to do with just the tidal wave that was Stephen Curry in a game that felt more inevitable to me in the Golden State Warriors side of the floor than the, the Celtics. But I think this series is headed for seven. I mean, I, I thought it would be at the beginning of the series just because of how evenly matched these two teams are and because of how inconsistent both teams have been. I know the Warriors haven't been that in the postseason, but the whole year we were kind of trying to figure out who exactly they were because they would play so differently night to night. Boston has done a little bit of a flip because in the regular season they were very consistent after the new year, but then in the postseason beyond round one, you couldn't really figure out who they were. So, you know, we're still looking for those answers. And I think the only way we find them is in a winner-take-all elimination game. I think that's why it comes down to Game 7 for me. 
Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to go six. I have a feeling whoever wins this next game is going to take care of business. Now, frankly, I know no one cares, but I think part of that is because deep down, I don't want a game seven because one of my nephews is getting married um, <laughs> that weekend and I would not be able to. Yeah. So anyway, that. I, and it I, makes you feel any better. <laughs> I, I tape delayed game seven of the 2016 finals and I did not watch that until about three in the morning I had a a work commitment that I had to get to. Oh boy, that had to be fun. Well, it was fun for my roommates who already knew what happened. And so they were watching me react to this game that was already well done and over. Mm -hmm. And so for them, you know, I was hooping and hollering when Draymond was hitting threes and going crazy. And they're just looking at me like, it doesn't matter. The game, (laughs) the game's over. So it can be done. You just got to be willing to sit through it and and maybe go on a airplane mode for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, Talking about Game 7 on Father's Day, I can't help but reflect on that Game 7 on Father's Day, and I don't really enjoy doing that that much. (laughs) Yeah, luckily uh, my dad isn't too big into the NBA, so he wasn't too heartbroken by the loss, but it was was a tough one for me. My wife, Shinya, was really angry with me that day. I mean, for a long time because I kept telling her Game 7, you know, the Warriors had won 73 games, had Dream on back, and, you know, Cleveland played a great game, and I said, don't worry, the Warriors are going to win, and every so often she'd check with me. They're, you said they're going to win. I said, yeah, they're going to win. And then, of course, they didn't. And she's like, you said they're going to win. And I was like, I'm sorry. And then so now any I can never tell her this is going to happen or that's going to happen in any sporting event because she she remembers that. No, that, that's, mark. that's exactly how I was. I was sitting there the entire game like, okay, well, when, when are they going yeah. to go ahead? And then yeah. Kyrie hits the shot, and I look at my friend, and I just go, that that's how it ends? And they go, yep. Like, uh, but, you know, I, I don't think we're in for, well, hopefully, as as demoralizing and soul-crushing a loss as that. But I do think this this series is headed for seven because when I look at the two ways that the Warriors have won, it's been two kind of, you know, different ways. Like, game four, individual, even though there were some some helping hands, like Steph was Steph. That's the reason why they won the game. Game two... Not to say it was as statistically dominant of a performance, but to me, Draymond was the tone setter in that game and individually took on a lot of what Boston was bringing to the table, both defensively and even offensively. He was good in that game. So to me, like the Golden State Warriors have have kind of leaned on two individuals for their two wins so far. Boston has been more of a collective. The thing I'm worried about is, well, they do have two individuals that can win you a game in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And both of those guys, Brown has been good so far in this series, but Tatum has really yet to show up. I think the stat is he's shooting below 30% from inside the three-point line. And that, that to me, is going to change at some point. I think it's like like 24 or something like that. And that that is, I would would reckon to guess, is going to change at some point. So there is still a Jason Tatum game left in this series, I think, because there's been one for him each of the previous three rounds. And so that... I think is where one of the wins is going to come from from Boston. I don't know where this where the win is going to come from for Golden State. Hopefully, it's Game Five because I think it'll be a really tough environment to go in and win Game Six. Uh, but then again, I thought Game Four was a back against your walls game that was going to be tough to have, and Curry proved us all wrong. Yeah, before excuse me, before the series started, I was in one day. JD and I were in on the afternoon show, and we had uh, Gary Saint Jean on, and I think it was the day after the Celtics had finished off the Heat. And I asked Saint, how is it that Boston, such a good defensive team, we know that, great defensive team, why do they blow so many leads? Why is it so hard to protect a lead when they're such a good defensive team? He said, 
they struggle in the half court offensively. And the more I've thought about that, we've seen that in this series. The second half of game two, that third quarter, their offense ceased to function. And the fourth quarter of the last game, when the Warriors force them to get into the half court and it becomes Tatum's running the offense because they don't really have a point guard, right? Marcus Smart's a good player. He's not really a very good point guard. And they don't have Kyrie anymore. They don't have Kemba. So it's like, all right, you're the point guard. But they run the offense through Tatum, and he gets kind of the, I don't know, the almost Mamba mentality. He starts taking bad shots. It looks sometimes like he wants to slow it down, and Smart and Jalen Brown want to know push tempo. And they really that's one of the big reasons why. They, how come this team, they, they blow these leads? Their half-court offense ceases to function. So if the Warriors can continue to take advantage of that, forcing more turnovers as much as possible, making shots so that Boston has to get into the half-court, I think the Warriors have a huge advantage there because Boston really struggles with that. You see, it's like, who's going to take the shot? The, the Warriors prevented dribble penetration, so then Boston's kicking it out, and Marcus Smart's like, I'll shoot the three. I'm not afraid. Go ahead, clank, clank. That's really an issue for them. Yeah, I think their confidence is sometimes the reason for their downfall because individually they are great players and they've they've played together for a very long time. They have not necessarily the chemistry or you know the championship pedigree of the Warriors, but the, but this core of Tatum, Smart, Brown, and even you could throw in Horford in there who was on the team during Before, the, the, the yeah. beginning their rookie seasons, and so you know. Like I, I think this is logically the next step for them in terms of getting to the finals because, look, Tatum took LeBron to a Game 7 his rookie season, dunked on him in the fourth quarter. Everyone was talking, oh, is he going to you know, take the mantle? Everyone in this postseason, is Tatum going to take the mantle from Kevin Durant? Is he going to take the mantle from Giannis because he beat both of those guys? He's already got the mantle from Jimmy Butler as a great small forward in the Eastern Conference. But he's really yet to show up in this series. And so... I think your point about the half court is is interesting to me because that is where I think Boston is lethal. Like defensively, when they get when yeah, they take yeah. the, when you are forced to take the ball out underneath the basket Absolutely. against Boston, it is, I I don't I don't have a stat, but I would reckon that points per possession plummets because they are so long and switchable at every position that you're going to be taking a tough shot, which is what also made Curry's game the more impressive. Where the Warriors were able to succeed and I thought find some sort of rhythm was in transition especially in that first yep, quarter I agree they they pushed the tempo they pushed the pace and I was I was curious if they could do it for 48 minutes just because of you know let's face it how old they are the only guy I really trust in terms of stamina to hold up for 48 minutes is, is Andrew Wiggins at this point but Curry uh Clay like they they proved me wrong they did it for the entirety of Game 4, they were getting up and down. They're playing both ways. Now, with an extra couple of days of rest, I'll be curious to see if they can bring that in Game 5 at home because that, to me, is, in some ways, a must-win for them if they want to try and, as you say, close it out in Game 6. 888-957-9570. Oh, boy, in the text line. Whitey, hot take. Curry still isn't an all-time great if he doesn't win the Finals MVP award. All right, we'll address that. Uh, coming up, can Steph do it again? Will the Warriors need him to do it again? And what is Boston going to try to do to prevent that? That's up next year. It's Evan Giddings and me, Whitey Gleason, with you on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. That's right. It's your choice. Now, how does that sound? Stay tuned for more and tips down the road. Because the more you know, the more you'll feel. Visit GetFastTrack.org to learn more and get your tag today. Find what you love at the Mila Innovation Center at Friedman's Appliance in Pleasant Hill. Out of your dreams and into your kitchen. Select the qualifying built-in kitchen appliance package that is right for you. With unrivaled technology and luxury-grade quality, when you bring home a Mila, you're bringing home true innovation. Now, for a limited time, save up to $1,800 with a purchase of a qualifying Mila appliance package. Visit the Mila Innovation Center at Friedman's Appliance in Pleasant Hill or at freedmansappliance.com. Servicing your truck, SUV, car, or electric vehicle has never been easier at Saramati Ford. For a limited time, get $5 off any service on any make and model when you schedule online at saramatiford.com. Saramati Ford, your Bay Area Ford dealer. From carriage house to glass aluminum doors, RS Doors has a full line of commercial and residential garage doors and gates to suit anyone's taste and budget. Visit rsdoors.com. RS Doors, look for the red truck. We're on a journey to make healthcare more accessible and more equitable, to treat the most complex diseases and offer hope where often there is little, to provide better care to more people across the Bay Area. We are more than a hospital, more than a university, beyond science and technology. We are the people of UCSF. UCSF Health. Redefining possible. Hi, this is Matt Jesse, president of MB Jesse Painting. Commercial property owners and managers, do you have a summertime painting project on your to-do list? Our painting team is here to get the job done. Full repaints, maintenance painting, carpentry, wood rot repairs. We have the team and services to keep your property looking its best. So why wait? Now is the time to save your place on our summer schedule. Call 855 MB Jesse today or visit us online at mbjesse.com. You want eight of the flutes and onyx. Shira's hand-blown glassware blows right off her store's shelves. She needs an inventory manager to help keep her stock on lock. These are 100% porcelain. Those aren't. Hey, can someone check the temp on the kiln? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Earn up to $500 in sponsored job credits by conducting interviews on Indeed. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. 
Today on Hey Culligan, soft water, cleaner environment. What do you say, Greg? Hey Culligan, are you saying if I have a Culligan high-efficiency water softener, I'm also helping the environment? It sounds like you're saying it, Greg, and yes you are, because with the Culligan high-efficiency water softener, you'll use less detergent, soap, and harsh chemicals, and that's good for the planet. Now you're saying it. You bet I am, Greg. Soft water and a cleaner environment is already on the way. Let us help you out with a free in-home water test from a local Culligan water expert at Culligan.com. Hey, uh, where'd you get that synthesizer? I just bought it. Since we're saving so much with no mortgage down payment and no PMI with Navy Federal Credit Union, I figured I'd put some of that extra money to good use. Oh, and I'm starting a band with some platoon mates. <laughs> Great. Learn how you can save $2,500 on average with a Navy Federal mortgage at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. You want eight of the flutes and onyx? Jira's hand-blown glassware blows right off her store's shelves. Back for more indigo bowls. She needs an inventory manager to help keep her stock on lock. These are 100% porcelain. Those aren't. Hey, can someone check the temp on the kiln? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Earn up to $500 in sponsored job credits by conducting interviews on Indeed. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Yeah, it is a place to be. I mean, we got the NBA Finals in San Francisco. For the first time ever, Evan, the NBA Finals in San Francisco proper for the first time ever this year. And, of course, you got the Giants trying to complete a sweep of the Dodgers. It's Whitey Gleason, Evan Giddings with you. 888-957-9570. Before we get back to the NBA Finals, Evan, I got to ask you, what is going on here? We've got Dodger fans taking over Oracle. And I don't think that's an overstatement. If you saw any of yesterday, we got Dodger fans taking over Oracle. See, to me, it I, I like Dodgers fans, they're everywhere now. They, they are, you know, because of the, the team's success in recent years, I think a lot of people from LA I kind of begin there or end up there. In a lot of ways, it is a similar transplant city to San Francisco. The difference is it's 10 times bigger. So a lot of people, I'm sure, come from L.A. to the Bay, the Bay to L.A., and it's just an easy trip for them. And with, I think, the Dodgers and the Giants being, I mean, let's be honest, the last true rivalry on the West Coast that is worth really anything, um, it doesn't surprise me much that the Dodgers would come up here it's been a nice weekend so far. I know it's foggy today, but it was beautiful yesterday. It was a beautiful mm-hmm. Friday. A great chance to get out to a beautiful ballpark. And the Dodgers fans are quick to scoop up those tickets. Like, I went to a game last year, actually. You know, it was sort of post-pandemic, but they were beginning to refill the stadium. There was a lot of blue at Oracle. And, you know, so it, Giants fans better show up today because you got a chance to whip out the brooms on the number one team in the West and a team that took your lunch money last year in the playoffs. I don't want to see more blue than orange here today. Saw too much blue Friday when the uh, when the Dodgers wore those uh, City Connect pajamas, <laughs> right? And I understand that's uh, you know that's their City Connect and it's Los Dodgers, I think, and I, I understand the significance of that. But still, they're just they're too blue. Yeah, they are. They they are. I, I'm not a fan of. Maybe it's just the pants for me too. Like the pants are just too much. You can't have all blue, all black. 
Um, I don't know. Well, like all all baby blue. I know the Phillies kind of do that, mm. which I don't mind as much. But non-white, pure pants, like there's got to be a pinstripe. There's got to be something else that you can throw in there. You don't have to tell us that. We know that Evan likes his coffee black. He likes the plain <laughs> cake donuts. He probably, you'd probably just like, hey, wear your home whites and your road grays, all right? Well, I'm happy that we're finally going to get to see the blue jerseys from the Warriors, I think in game five, and I've been waiting for those all postseason. Mm-hmm. I do like the black ones. I know the whites are classic, but just give me the, give me the royal blue whitey. 888-957-9570. George joins us from Los Altos on 95.7 The Game. What's up, George? You enjoying this series? I'm loving the series, but I'm actually calling... Uh, you know how we all get like a thousand spam calls on our iPhones. Mm-hmm. You have an iPhone if you don't, then whatever phone you have. And, and when you see a spam, and even though it's probably a waste of time, you go in and you hit block contact. Mm-hmm. Okay, which I do over and over and over again. I don't know if ninety five point seven the game's text line has the opportunity to do that, but if it does. Oh, George! Oh no, we uh, we're losing George, but I think Did I they got block his contact point. Contact him. <laughs> Sorry about that, George, but I think I know where you were going. He was going to say there's people with these takes about Steph Curry isn't an all time great if he doesn't win the MVP uh, finals. We should just block all those texts. It's a it's a great point. Yeah, I'm I'm not opposed to that by any means, but at the same time, this is a station for the people, the people that are both intelligent as well as deranged, Whitey, and so we need to hear from all angles, all people. And if it takes us, you know, a few bad eggs to elevate Steph, well, I think that a lot of people would appreciate that because you mentioned, and I know this, you know, we're going to treat it like Voldemort at this point, but the naysayers, uh, they're around. That was a Harry Potter reference. Yeah. They're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) I ought not have told you that. They're around. They're they're you know, they're leaning towards irrelevant, but we still need to give them the opportunity to voice their opinion. Yeah, I think the way Steph has played to this point, and I think he's going to win the Funnels MVP no matter what happens. But I think he's already put the lie to what many of those naysayers have said. It is unfortunate, and and I'm already feeling like I'm spending too much time on it. I apologize for that. If they don't win this series, you know that there are going to be some some of those people that are going to go. Well, there you go. He couldn't do it. Yeah, even if he wins the MVP. He was the MVP, but he couldn't win. Because they're just, you know, they're looking for that. So it's 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 ludicrous. But it is amazing that Steph now clearly is in that conversation. You look at the most games in the finals with 30 or more points, and it's like Jordan, Shaq, who's the other one? And then LeBron, and then you got tied now with 13 such games as Kobe and Steph Curry. So there you go. He's in that group. And he's in the group of kind of the ageless wonders at this point. I mean, at 43 and 10 has only been done at age 34 or above by LeBron and, and Jordan, I think. So and he is in that category in many ways in terms of historical NBA Finals performances. And I know it, it uh, game four was kind of the crescendo of that, but... In order to get to that point, you got to be playing pretty well in the finals prior to. And this isn't, uh, you know, I, I I hate to use them as a as a punching bag right here, but this isn't a Clayton Kershaw situation where you just pitch in as many World Series as possible and you just rack up those numbers. Like Curry's been dominant in these finals throughout his career. It just had an exclamation point in Game Four. Kershaw's pitched to Estrada. There's a drive. Left field. Anyway, that was great. It's, it's even more special when you consider how rare it is for. 
a point guard or a smaller player to have those types of games. It reminds me of Iverson in 2001 or Isaiah Thomas in 88 when he sprained his ankle and had, what, 25 and a quarter and 43 against the Lakers. It's that special. I think the only point guards that have done it are like, uh, you've probably heard of these guys, Ev, Jerry West and Magic Johnson yeah. before Steph. So it's amazing. They, yeah. were, all, they were all right. Yeah. I think uh, – like so th- this is – the thing to me is – and the question that we had coming into the series – and it kind of been floated around the entire playoffs is, okay, as a smaller player, it is physically easier to defend you, to try and take the ball out of your hands, just than it would be as a you know six foot nine. Like Magic, he was so great because if you try and double him, he can just pass over or around anyone. Curry has not as easy of a time doing that because he's six inches smaller. So what he did in that game... And really what he's done in these entire finals with the consistency of it so far, I don't know if it's more impressive, but it certainly stands out aesthetically just because we're not accustomed to seeing people of his size do what he does. And I think that's where also a lot of the hate comes from, too, is because he looks a lot like a lot of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, just stature-wise, he's incredible. He's a a better athlete than I could ever dream of being. You're you're right. We know, though, he is bigger than we think. But you're right. He is. And and that was the game where you're like, man, how is this little guy doing this to these 6'10 dudes over and over and over again? And it was a a wire-to-wire dominant performance that cannot be questioned, that cannot be put down in any way, shape, or form. And for a guy who has always had critics come at him, you know, whether it be at the local level, the national level, that was the first, I guess, you know, bulletproof performance of his finals career for me. And that's what made it even more special. Here's one thing that makes what he's doing right now even more special. And I've made this point a couple of times. I don't mean to be redundant, but I think it's really important. Because in some ways, Steph isn't getting enough credit for what he's doing right now. Boston is so good defensively that the Warriors have had to change the way they attack that offense. That's why if you look at the box scores, and you probably have better things to do than look at box scores. I, I don't. But if you look at the box scores, you will find, wow, the Warriors' assist totals are down. Why are their assist totals down? Because they're initiating their offense not with passes, but with Steph Curry in the high pick and roll. That's And they don't normally do that this much, but that's how they realize, all right, that that takes some of the pressure that Boston puts on the ball out of play here, and we get their bigs way out high in a pick and roll. So they're running their offense differently, and Steph has to work a lot harder because it's him, pick and roll, who do I want to attack? It's funny when you said, how does he keep doing this with big guys? I could almost hear Al Horford saying that because he got destroyed in the last game. By well, Steph Curry. But he's working I, yeah. so hard because at one end, they're attacking Steph in the pick and roll. At the other end, he's initiating everything, and they still can't stop him. I also don't have anything better to do except for eat cake donuts along with my black coffee while I'm looking at these box scores. Wow. And the thing that jumps out to me, he's shooting 50%. Yes, sir. From the field right point. Yeah. and from three. So yeah. it's not like he's just hoisting again and again and again. He scored 43 points on 27 shots. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly difficult An to efficient do. efficient 43. And when yeah. you're not getting to the line 10-plus times, either because he can't buy a call or he can't get a call or he can't draw a foul, you know, it's like he is doing this in ways and in, 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 like in efficient manners that 
we just frankly haven't seen from that sort of range. And it sounds strange to talk about something you haven't seen shooting-wise from Steph and Curry, but that game was something we hadn't seen from Steph. You know, I think fans, we as fans, complain too much about the officiating, and I try pretty much to just forget about it. But I certainly understand, to the point you just made, he came off a pick-and-roll, Tatum's on him, and then he comes off the pick-and-roll, and then Horford's on him, and Steph shoots a three and makes it, and Tatum's coming over to help, and just knocks him over, right? Just crashes into his back. There's nobody else there. It's not like it's a play... Welcome under the basket where you can't see what's going on. He just got destroyed. And there was no call. How how in the world can you not call that when it's on the open floor in front of everybody, when it's one of the you know brightest stars in your league? And my question is, how can you not foul him of your Jason Tatum? Like, that's the only way you can block the shot or contest. You have to put some sort of body on him when you're fighting around that screen. I know everyone wants to go over the top of screens to try and stop Steph's threes. And and this was actually something that I, you I don't... You go under, you're done. No, yeah. you, well, and and this is, this is kind of where I felt that Stephen Curry had even more of an impact than just his offensive numbers. He shot Robert Williams off the court, who was their most, in my opinion, efficient player. If you look in terms of plus minus, he was. He was dominant in that game. He had 10 rebounds in the first half. He was killing the Warriors on the boards. But as soon as the third quarter started, they picked him out in pick and roll every single time, and he would refuse to step up because he thought he could you know, contest, he could still get there with the length of his seven-foot reach, and he couldn't, so much to the point that Steph would bury three after three after three, and Robert Williams had to go to the bench. And he was their best, def- he was their most impactful defensive player and potentially rebounder in that game. And Steph shot him off the floor. Yeah. He also got hurt again, too. I think he hurt that knee again. But he, I'm with you. He's, he's phenomenal. And people are wondering uh, why do they stay in drop coverage? And that's a great question. I think sometimes guys like Horford and Robert Williams III, and we saw this with Gobert, you know, it's like, why are you still in drop coverage? I think, you know how it is, Evan, you're, you're a baseball player, a really good one. You know, some guys can't bunt. I think some of those centers is like, that's all they can do. Uh, what else? They got to do something, and it's not like they can get out and play them. I think some of those bigs is like, that's the best they can do is get go into drop coverage. I'm assuming they haven't been guarding Stephen Curry's their entire <laughs> life. There's only one person like him. There will never be another person like him. And so you're just not used to having yeah. to play him like that. Like Logically, you think, okay, if I step up, if I if – I, don't play drop coverage. Well, that's going to be an easy layup because he can just dish it around me. But that might be the only way to try and take the ball out of his hands. I remember in uh, you know it was 2018, the second year with with Kevin Durant and Ty Lue kept talking about how we're just going to blitz him. Like we, as soon as he steps across the half court line, KD is a player that is you know less difficult to double than Stephen Curry. He's less impactful. We're going to blitz Steph immediately as soon as he steps across half court. That might be Boston's only option to try and just take the ball out of his hands because once he gets going and gets downhill, I mean, I think the first three that he took of the game was in transition. It was just a little step back, but it was a high degree of difficulty and one that you can say, all right, you're not in rhythm yet. Take that shot. But that's a layup for him. And at this point, if he's proven to score his 34-plus per game on 50% shooting from three, 
the only option you have is just to try and take the ball out of his hands. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, and I'm wondering if they're going to try more of that the next game. They did. They were blitzing uh, some in the last game. They just didn't have a lot of success with it. 888-957-9570. Mike's in San Francisco. He joins us on 95.7 The Game. Hello, Mike. You enjoying your Sunday so far? Yeah. What's up, guys? Yeah, hey. just talking about recapping game game four there. Just uh, one of the most brilliant uh, – playoff uh, NBA finals or even playoff performances considering the stakes where the series was uh the hospital uh playing in the garden with a, ch- with a chance for the Celtics to take the stranglehold in the series lead the Warriors to pull that out and it looked there iffy there because remember uh uh smart hit that three there they went up by five and then mm-hmm. Warriors really just buckled down defensively but to me guys the reason why I thought the Warriors would win this series in seven is because Boston for as great as they are they are so undisciplined I've never seen a team with so much talent, so lackadaisical, and, and so sloppy with turnovers. And their second half of the whole playoffs, honestly. And, uh, guys, I don't think if Middleton gets hurt, I don't even think they beat the Bucks. I think the Bucks would have been a much tougher matchup for, for uh, the Warriors in the finals. But uh, uh, that being that aside, just their lack of execution and focus, uh, I don't, what do you attribute that to? Because it's embarrassingly bad. And Jason Tatum... For the flowers he gets as being one of the all-time top players in this league, Curly, uh, he takes a lot of terrible shots. He 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 turns the ball over, and I think to me, Jalen Brown is more of their playmaker and their go-to guy, and that's the guy the Warriors need to really focus on and lock in him because when he's uh, uh, penetrating or driving to the rack, there, uh, that's what I think when the Celtics are the best. And when they go away from that and try to play right into the Warriors' hands and jacking up threes, which is not their really their mo, that's perfect for the Warriors. So. I just think stay the course. I think the Warriors really got to lock in because, as we've seen, another thing about this Boston team, for as great as their home court is, they've lost six games at home, which is terrible. And for some reason, they when they're on the road, they play a lot better. So I think tomorrow night's going to be critical because if the Warriors are locked in, I could see Boston really winning. I think Warriors can win in, in Boston and then get into a game seven. I have the Warriors winning at Chase. So, um, guys, what do you think that you attribute that to? And how do you think they really come out early in terms of game five and really try to get Draymond focused? I think he's really lost his confidence. They really need him at his best. You can't really just count on Curry to go off for these games. And one final thing is Wiggins, I thought, was incredible. I thought not only scoring, his offensive rebounding was really the key in that game for a win. I'll take your thoughts for that. Can't wait for game five tomorrow night. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I think it was a smart free throw off a pool foul on a on a Jalen Brown shot. I think that's what gave them the five-point lead, but be that as it may, we're going to get into Draymond a little more. I think they answered your question in a nutshell. Boston in the half court, they don't really have anyone to organize their offense. They go through Tatum. Uh, I think Boston has willing passers, but they're just not very good passers. They make poor decisions, and I think crunch time, Tatum runs the offense, and and he just he's too indecisive. And he, and the once the Warriors stop dribble penetration, Boston settled for too many bad shots. I, I think it's a matter of you know the Warriors know who's running the show at times. That's one of the benefits of being being through these games. The Spurs, you know, when it was win in time, they knew what they were doing. Boston right now, if they're forced to be in the half court uh, in the crucial moments of games, offensively, they're just disorganized. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I think, again, they are so confident in themselves and their individual abilities that they don't really have a have an, a, great, a great idea. Like, they don't really run plays. They kind of just figure it out on the fly. And they've been talented enough to do that for the entirety of the season, and again, it's worked for them. So why why would you change that? You're yeah, up two to in one finals. in the finals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would you Why would you change anything? Um, 
And they do hit big shots. Like, you're talking about the Marcus Smart three. Uh, it was about 5.15 left in the game, put him up four. That was actually a shot that I, as I circled. And it, because if they mm. win that game, that's to me a shot that champions hit. Like, you, well, you need to go up two possessions. The, the games kind of get away from you. you. They got an offensive rebound off a miss, and Marcus Smart hits a big three. The difference was then, Wiggins comes down, gets a bucket, Clay hits a three to put the Warriors up, and they don't look back. So, Boston absolutely can figure out ways to produce offensively. It's just, it's more one-on-one. And that's where I think that because they're so good as one-on-one offensive players, they kind of lose sight of, all right, well, we we need to get other guys involved. I mean, the the tidal wave, the flurry that came in game one was when they were penetrating and kicking out and hitting a ridiculous amount of open threes. And even though you say, okay, well, they can't make nine threes in a quarter, well, if they get those open looks, they might be able to. But the Warriors have done a fantastic job of turning them into one-on-one guys. And to me, they're at their best when like Tatum plays the point. Uh, the Xfinity Mobile text line, the 650 earlier, had a, had a great stat for us that when Tatum has seven-plus assists, they haven't lost in the playoffs because they need that true point guard, and he's big enough to do it. The thing for me with the Celtics and to Mike's question, Tatum and Brown to some extent— I don't know if it's because of Tatum's infatuation, and deservedly so, with Kobe Bryant. We saw him wear the 24-arm band in Game 7 against Miami. He kind of falls into that Kobe mentality, which to me is, like, it's reserved for Kobe and maybe Mike, and that's kind of about it. There are very few players that can go into that Mamba mode and take over a game with just being the sole offensive option. Tatum, to me, he's 24 years old. I don't think he's ready to do that yet, and it almost turns him, as well as the team, into a stagnant player and one that is dependent on hitting tough shots. There are very few guys in the history of the NBA that can make tough jump shots consistently. Steph did it in Game 4. Tatum couldn't. That's the difference. Yeah, they run their offense through him, and I'm not sure how good he is at that at this point. Uh, 888-957-9570. Jason in Oakland joins us, 95.7 The Game. Hello, Jason. Hi, how you guys doing? Good morning, too. I just wanted to, you know, I was going to get some groceries. I'm listening to the show, and I heard one of you guys host, one of you guys say, we've never seen this from Steph. And I have a rebuttal to that. Okay. We've been seeing Steph hit seven threes in the game. We've been seeing his whole career. That's why he became a superstar, because he can shoot the street, because he can shoot the three, how he transformed the game. The narrative, a lot of these guys paint basically on the East Coast because they don't see Steph as that much. Is he's not a great player. He's never did this. He's never did that. We see it all the time. He's just a humble superstar, and he's not brash, and he don't – come on media shows and act like he's the greatest player in the world. He don't really push that narrative about himself. And I feel like it's up to us as fans and some of the analysts in the Bay Area to, to let them guys know how great Steph is because he's not championing it. And it don't seem like the Warriors organization is not championing Steph as one of the greatest players. Like, they're not even pushing that narrative. And my thing, and another thing I want to say is, you know, I like listening to you guys' shows, but I feel like we need to really push that out there to the to the masses that how great Steph is, regardless if he win the championship or not. He changed our franchise. He changed the Bay Area for years to come. Thank you. I'm, 
Love listening to the show. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. I think um, better than that, better than us saying something or, or even you saying something, appreciate your impassion to please her. Steph's proven it now. Steph's doing it. And he didn't have to talk about it, right? He's And when I said we haven't seen it before, I, I realized he's, he was a back-to-back MVP. I just mean in the finals, we he's never been in the position where he's had to dominate to this extent, and he's done it. That, he's dictated the game to me in a way in the finals that he hadn't done before. But again, he's putting a lie to what those naysayers have been saying himself right now on the floor, regardless of what the organization says or his coach says or Evan says or I say or you say, and that's the beauty of what's going on right now. Yeah, I'm with him. I thought that was a fantastic call, Jason. So I, I believe I was the one that said that, and the reason being is because, to me, to this point in Steph's NBA Finals career, not over the course of the regular season, previous playoffs, in the finals, there hasn't been a game that I mean, you I guess two, 2015 they're down two to one, but that was also when they made the switch to Iguodala and went small. Game five of 2015, he had what 38, I think. That was yeah, a huge 30, game. 37. He was and yeah. he went back and forth with LeBron. He was great. Obviously, he had the 47 in Game three against Toronto that gets marred because they lost the game. He is he's played huge in the finals before, but there isn't there wasn't a game to me with the lack of production around him. To this point, I mean, Draymond got played off the floor. That has never happened in his entire postseason career. Klay Thompson didn't have a great shooting game up until the fourth quarter. Andrew Wiggins was fantastic on the glass, but he had 17. You know, he wasn't the the go-to number two option and just hitting every big shot. There haven't there hasn't been a game, I think, in the finals in which you've looked at Stephen Curry and said, man. Like you you got to do this, and you got to do it by yourself because that isn't Steph's mo. He is the selfless superstar, maybe too much so, which is why, to Jason's point, he doesn't get a lot of credit nationally. But there hasn't been a game in which we can look at him with their backs against the wall in a must-win scenario in the finals and say, Steph, you got to put the team on your back, and he did. That to me is why I would say a lot of people, including myself have kind of labeled that game as something we haven't seen before from Steph, even though there were bits and pieces you could pull from previous great performances. Yeah, to me, prior to uh, the last game, Steph's greatest performance in the finals was, and thank you for the correction, Evan, 37 points, uh, 17 of those in the fourth quarter. Warriors beat the Cavs game 5, 2015, 104-91. But given the stakes and the heavier – burden that he had to carry and the way he played to me the last game was his best game in the finals that he's had and and that was also a game where you kind of wondered it is it is it gonna be over I mean and I think a lot of people felt that way in game in game two because they were at home and that was labeled as sort of a must-win game but literally you go down 3-1 I know the Warriors have had experience in 3-1 series but there's a reason why it doesn't happen and so if you go down 3-1 to a team that is, you know, the number one defense that a lot of people see as being around the Warriors level, we'll call them equals. Like that's a game you got to have to keep the series alive. And to me that's what what made it so important and so great from Steph. Coming up, yeah, can Steph do it again? Are the Warriors going to need more of that? And what is the dang deal with Draymond? That's next, 888-957-9570. Evan Giddings and me Whitey Gleason with you on 957 the game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.